Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me, See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Hear Me See Me podcast. Um, and today I'm talking to uh, a lifelong friend, but um, someone I've always admired. Um, it's uh, Steve Kerridge, and he's spent his whole life um, around martial arts and the study of martial arts and teaching martial arts, but also he's become a real, a real expert on the life of Bruce Lee as well. Um, so today we're going to talk about, you know, the early days when we were together and training, and uh, then we're going to go into the, his knowledge and, you know, the things he's done, and then we're going to finish with what he does at the moment to try and keep people exercising in the lockdown. Hello, Steve. How you doing, mate? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Keep for it. You know, even so, more so now of all this lockdown. You know, I'm yeah. doing, doing more, really. It's crucial, isn't it? It's crucial yeah, for people's well-being and, you know, um, right, to, to get the head right as well, keep the body right. Keep yeah, without right. a doubt. But if you, if you go back to God, it was <laughs> a long well, time ago. Go back to you. Go go back to the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the dawn of time when <laughs> I first come into your training. Um, you know, like that was around the uh, mid to late eighties, oh, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, back mid eighties, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and um, we, you know, the thing was at that time, karate and everything was very prevalent, and it was, yeah. a, you know, but the new thing that was coming about was the sort of kickboxing. Yeah, that you took on board, and I'd done some stuff with other people, but then you know. I loved it. As soon as I, I come to your, my first kick, kickboxing lesson with you, mm. it was a bit more exciting, you know, uh, yeah. bit of contact that we was lacking. Um, uh, but it was it was quite a, a new thing then, wasn't it? What, what, do you remember like what it was like? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. I mean, to me, it was like an extension of what I'd done before that with karate, and uh, I found that I wanted to have a bit more contact, and if anything, it was just more. To, to uh, add like an element of of realism to what we're doing, I suppose, in some ways. I mean, but how can you do that? I mean, to add an, an element of realism to fight, you need to poke someone in the eyes, and you but you obviously can't do it in a, a club environment. <laughs> um, but the kickboxing, I mean, to be honest with you, the kickboxing to me was, we'd always, uh, with me and Jeff, you know, you know Jeff, you know, we'd, we'd yeah. always, um, back in the 70s, we used to bowl the American magazines like Black Belt and Karate Illustrated and Official Karate, yeah. excuse me, and um, we'd sort of follow people like Bill Wallace and Benny Keaters and, you know, and eventually we got to meet them, and, uh, which, was, which was brilliant. Yeah. And, um, but that was like our influence, and obviously, that's obviously putting aside the main influence, which was, of course, was Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know. Um, it, so, but... At that time, you, I mean, because I think it was fairly new, wasn't it? Um, when I when I joined, it was Avery Kickboxing, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was the first one around this yeah. area to do kickboxing, without yeah. a doubt. Um, and I've got the term, as I say, from, from back in the day, from the American martial art magazines, really. Yeah. And I think it was, there was certainly people sort of practicing kickboxing and such in the country. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the, the tie boxing came about in this country. It's more like the Midlands and up north, really. Yeah. And not so much down this end of the country. And the reason for that was because when, when the, a lot of the tie people came over here, 
yeah. accommodation in London being very expensive, they tended to sort of um, locate more in the Midlands and up north where it was cheaper to, to live. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, and that's where the influence came, and that's where it went in. Yeah, like Martha Tolly and Skin and them sort of people, they, they, yeah. they come about, you know, and um, so we was a little bit uh, away from that. So yeah. we didn't have that advantage, really, of having those, those people around us. But to me, it was an extension of my karate, really. But, yeah. I mean, if someone sort of asked me, what, you know, what am I, karate, kickboxing, I'd, I'd just say I'm a martial artist, because to me, yeah. that encompasses all of it, really. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, without saying like Bruce Lee, I'm not one for styles and stuff anyway, to me. Yeah. You like to adapt something if you like doing it, you know, you, you do it, you know, and you, in the same way, I suppose, like UFC now, isn't it? Yeah. And when UFC first came on the scene, if you remember the first ever, from you, Adam, didn't we, on the, on the videotapes, didn't we? Yeah, 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 I watched them in your house. Yeah. Oh, this. <laughs> this is like mad. It was crazy. You had, you had obviously the Gracies, which dominated because yeah. of their groundwork, but you had like the, the big, I don't know, the wrestler came in or the karate man came in or the kung fu's come in and yeah. and it was, you could see the separate disciplines competed against each other and yeah. as time has gone on, it's gradually blended into, into one, isn't it? Yeah, into MMA, and it, it, yeah. that's where people are, uh, uh, the new generation are the ones that have been only ever trained in that of MMA, course, yeah. the, the older disciplines, well, and they've got like a new breed, aren't they, now? They are, and there was also a bit of controversy with some people when they, when they called call Bruce Lee the father of modern-day MMA. I can see where they're coming from with them, and some people don't agree with that, but I, I actually do, because if you look at what Bruce Lee was doing, um, it was anything that works, so it was any sort of range of fight, whether it was long range, medium or close, yeah. range or whatever it was, he'd try and incorporate into his way of training, yeah. which is basically MMA. The only difference is the MMA you see that we know of, it's a sport, so obviously there's yeah, rules yeah. and regulations. What the likes of Bruce Lee did wasn't a sport because there was stamping on the knee or there was Finger jab in the eyes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. more for the, it's more a survival fight, like you know. Yeah, but the the, the principles are same, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of course. It, you know, work to use it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about that and your knowledge and everything of of that. But just before we do that, I wanted to say, you know, not like ask because you've had a number of like uh, European world champions come yeah, through your stable, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, over the years. Yeah, we, I mean, we've we've been. Very sort of successful. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, I mean, obviously you've got to give yourself a pat on the back to a certain degree, but I'm one for more. You know, you've also got a, it's a bit of luck as well because it depends who walks through your door. Yeah. You know, um, but then that person walks through your door, they've got to be taught something and they've got to be uh, shown what to do and how to do it as such. So, you know, yeah. we've obviously got to give the, the gym the credit for that. Yeah. And but what I, I tend to do, I tend to sort of, I try and look at an individual uh, and see what their. Well, we were just talking about just a second ago. See what their strong points are. Yeah. You know, and exploit those strong points. Yeah. You know, so the tall and rangey, they use that range and vice versa and so forth. You know, this is a quick example, but yeah. you've also got. It's not only physical attributes with someone; it's it's mental attributes. Yeah, and you've got to look at what someone, what makes someone tick. Basically, you get some people that are naturally aggressive. You got other people that are the, the, the opposite. You know, so you've got to work to that as well. Yeah, when you're training someone, you've got to see what they're the way they work and the way their engine. Uh, you know, they're, they're their engine works really. Yeah. Which is, yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, individual thing really when you're teaching. Yeah. You know, and when you're teaching a class, obviously it's a generalisation of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's probably slightly different. But when you're working, as you said, like with the, with the fighters we've trained over the years, you tend to sort of see, you know, what their strong points are. But yeah. What their weak points are. You know, as, as I say, a chain's only as strong as a weakest link. Yeah. So you, you try and, you know, it's loads of science to it, really. And, and I'm yeah, always cool. learning. It doesn't matter how many years. I mean, I mean I've been doing this since yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. You know, as a martial artist, if you want to call it that. And yeah. to me, I'm learning as much now as I did when I first started. You know, it's, it's yeah. I don't think you can ever get to that stage where you go, oh, yeah, I know it all. Well, if you do, you're an idiot if you say that anyway. 
Well, so, um, yeah. it's just a continuous learning process and evolving. Isn't it? You're evolving yeah. all the time. And it, it's, it, it equates so many. There's so many like things that equate to life itself, aren't there? You know, yeah. when you say about that. I mean, I, I often like you know think of fighting. You know, any any situation of like, and as you say, you need to know your weaknesses. You need to know your strengths. Yeah. Um, it's meant. It's the mental fight as well as the physical fight. Um, more mental than physical in most cases. In most cases, yeah. And we, oh, how many yeah. times have you, have you seen it before? We got so. Oh yeah, let's go and show you the black belt. And yeah. He's walking down the street one day, and Joe Bloggs jumps out the doorway and kicks his head in. Well, we've had it so many times. Like we, I've seen it, you know, and it 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 was always the thing, wasn't it? And especially mm. the new thing, when, like when we was doing it like years ago, you'd yeah. often find someone, and, and, and the first time you sort of smack them on the nose they, you see very <laughs> included <laughs> you, see, you see loads of very good stylists you know they can, they can kick good and they can punch good and yeah. They but yeah the first punch on the nose and uh, what, what, what was it that Mike Tyson said you know the, the plane goes out the window doesn't it when I get the yeah, punch in the face you know that <laughs> That's basically it, but one that's time the plane goes out the window. Yeah, yeah, Did you yeah. see that thing online recently about it? Like, he's, he's doing some training for some exhibition. Do you yeah. see the power and speed? <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what I mean? It's scary, not gonna... wouldn't it? Shit. Listen, if, he, if he's been out of the game for a few years, obviously he's going to be a bit rusty like anyone would. Yeah. But, but he's got that, hasn't he? I mean, he's... He's, he's got just... one of them. Yeah, he's got one of them. And that was always... It's always the way, isn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, Fighters are born, aren't they? Not made a lot of the time. There's, there's some people who just naturally got it, and they, you know. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. If someone's determined, you know, to, to, to as Bruce Lee said again, to bite your nose off, they're going to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what. Yeah. You know, if you, if you get someone who doesn't do any sort of martial art, but they're, uh, yeah. you know, to coin the term a street fighter, which is a, yeah. is a stupid term anyway, but I mean, to, to coin it there is. Someone's determined to hurt you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to have a good attempt at hurting you anyway. Yeah. So martial art really is is more mental than physical. I'd say because if you've got the right mindset, you know. It's it always it's, it's like a couple of examples. If I said to you, right, you're running down the road, we're going for a jog, and you're tired, and I'm going, come on, come on, Stuart, come on, come on. And you're going, I can't go no faster. I'm going, come on, come on. You're going, I can't go no faster, Steve. And all of a sudden, the big rock ones are at a gateway somewhere. You've got to run a little faster. You know, so it's, it's, it's your brain's, hang on a minute. You know, or, or if someone's had a go at you in the street, you, you might back down or yeah. I might back down or whatever. But if someone's having a go at your wife or your kids, you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. care if it's Mike Tyson times three, do you? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to stand there and just let them do it, are you? You're going to... It's say that it. thing that it's takes mind, you over, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's with martial arts. If you can sort of train your mind to be like that, you know, to be yeah. able to sort of... Uh, it's, it's the oldest thing in the world, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, right, now, I really want to... I really want to get across to people, like, your your passion and knowledge about Bruce Lee, you know. Like, yeah. Um... Where did it? Where did it first like hit ya? Um, obviously as a kid. I mean, I was I was ten years old. Yeah. Um, when when the Bruce Lee or Kung Fu boom, as they call it, came about, yeah. late seventy three, seventy four, uh, in this country anyway. Um, obviously I was I was te- I started karate when I was ten. Yeah. October nineteen seventy three. So just prior to that. I'd sort of got the interest for it. But saying that, even so, before that, a few years before that, I had a, I still got actually, I got a karate book called The Manual Karate that belonged to my dad. Yeah. And I remember looking at that, you know, like you sit in the bedroom or whatever, and you look at it, and it was like, all drawings and stuff, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's still got, it, it should have gone back to the library in 1964 or something, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> 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 You know, and um, so I'd always had a sort of a background or an interest in, in, in that, I think, as a, as a young kid. Uh, and it wasn't until, the, say, the Bruce Lee era came about that it really sort of uh, made me sort of go for it, really, because, I mean, things on the, on the books, you know, on the, on the news agent shelves, um, television, you know, it was, just, it was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it got me involved in it, and that's what made me start karate. I mean, it wasn't 
no kung fu clubs around them. That's all there was. No. You know, it's it karate, judo, or boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, my dad had took me boxing, um, or attempted to take me boxing a year or so before that. But they, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't old enough. I think, I think you have to be eleven or something at the time. And yeah. That's a fair bit out. So I got up there, and said, no, no, they tried to play with me. I let them, let them join, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. You know. No. So I ended up a year or so later. Obviously, the Bruce Lee um, kung fu boom come about, and I ended up starting karate. Yeah. I stuck with it. That was the thing. I didn't. And I, was, I mean, shortly after that, within a year, there's kung fu clubs popping up everywhere and this yeah. and the other. But I did stick with what I was doing, and I was determined to stick what I was doing until I got to my black belt, which I did in '77, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so I went all through with it, and um, I'm glad I did that, really. A lot of people yeah. I know didn't do that. They, they sort of got halfway through their belt systems and packed it in, or went to another club, or started yeah. up, you know, kung fu. I didn't. I stuck with what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just, I mean, to me, it wouldn't matter whether it would have been karate or been kung fu or whatever, I was, I was stuck with it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you've got to have that determination anyway, don't you? If you're going to be yeah, a, definitely, yeah. Myself, it's a big part of it is determination. Yeah. And, um, to see, you know, and, and consistency. Is, yeah, definitely. You know, but the Bruce Lee was definitely the catalyst for me. Yeah. And all through the 70s, you know, we'd go to Chinatown and buy all the Chinese magazines and or yeah. anything, really, on Bruce Lee, we'd, we'd buy. Yeah. And we'd go to the Chinese cinemas up there and basement cinemas and watch all the kung fu films and yeah. Jackie Chan, before anyone knew who Jackie Chan was, you know, he was, all them sort of films were up there all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was a different era then, really. It really, yeah. really was. And when really did you, was. When, when did you first sort of... Um, I mean, obviously, you was you, you was fascinated and you was watching this for a long, long time. When did you first like to um, like put things on paper about it? What, about Bruce Lee, mate. Yeah. Not that long ago, really. To be fair, I mean, I'd always, yeah. I'd always sort of read and oh, study is the right word, but I'd always fascinated mm. with his life. But in different aspects, you know, you, 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 you can look at Bruce Lee as a martial artist. You can look at Bruce Lee as a film star. Yeah. You know, some people just follow Bruce Lee, if you like, for the films. They like the films yeah. and the well, other people. There? There's only, what was it, five or five? We only made four films, really. Oh, four, right. Four, four films, yeah. You know, like, like, in yeah. Hong Kong, everybody, you know, the Kung Fu films, anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's other little bits and pieces he did before that, but and as, yeah. a, as a child, actor, he starred in loads of films in Hong Kong, but wasn't Kung Fu, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, some people follow Bruce Lee for that side of things. Other people follow him for his martial art. Yeah. To me, it's anything. I, I, I like all of it. Yeah. Um, but I must, if anything, I must say that um, as corny as it sounds, it's always been in the back of my head. But you know, the way Bruce Lee would say, you know, like about, it's no, he doesn't didn't believe in style or systems. Yeah. You know, and um, I sort of I've always put that into my teaching. Um, yeah. in, in, in a way that I'll, as I said earlier, I'll look at someone and I'll see what their stronger points are. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and try and work on that, you know. Yeah. So, so what, what was the first thing that you, you wrote about Bruce Lee? Um, you've written loads of stuff, haven't you? Like, the first book I did, uh, was, was that 2000 and, I started working on it in 2003, 2004, yeah. I think, probably 2004 actually. And that was a book I did um, called Legends of the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, and that was basically, it was, it was based around the timeline of his, part of the timeline of his life. And that's what I've always tend to do. I, I, I quite like doing, I like the research and the historical side of things where he traced his life on an almost day-to-day basis. Um, and that's what I've done with most of the sort of stuff I've been working on. And that's what that, that book was. It was about, when he made the film called Wild the Dragon. Yeah. Well, that period in his life, sort of just before that and up to the end of the production on that film, you know. And uh, it was one of the things which started off with, you know, just writing down the, what I knew uh, and photographs I had. And then I sort of gradually made more and more contacts with different people and actually ended up going to Hong Kong over it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you don't you don't you don't do things like off, do you? Steve? <laughs> well, the funny thing was, I went to Hong Kong uh, with my wife. She yeah. was about five months pregnant at the time, right. 
Yeah. Um, I've never been to Hong Kong before. If you've been to Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. We, it's not exactly a quiet, a quiet place. It, well, it, no. Probably got really my over everywhere. It's not exactly a quiet place. You know, you sort of hustle no. bustle everywhere. So I've gone to Hong Kong, and the reason we went to Hong Kong was because I was interviewing a woman called Betty Ting Pei. Right. And she's known mainly uh, in Bruce Lee circles because she was the one that Bruce Lee died in her apartment. Right. So she was the last person to see Bruce Lee alive and whatever. And there's a lot of controversy over it, that, you know. Yeah. She was his girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't, I just wasn't interested in anything like that. The reason being was that, um, to me, Betty Ting Pei, when she first met Bruce Lee, was just prior to him making the, the film that I was writing a book about. Right. So I was trying to get as many eyewitnesses and stories and else to go with that, you know. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even go to Hong Kong. I, I, I had a phone number. I got a number, and uh, I must have, I must have rang this number two dozen times, so probably more than that actually. And yeah. It just wasn't getting nowhere, and all I was getting was like either a woman answering the phone or a man answering the phone, and going where, where, yeah. you know, in Chinese or whatever saying. Yeah. And um, I'm just sort of asking for, and I just put the phone down, and I I'll try again, try again, a few days later, try again, and. Anyway, eventually, she answered the phone. Right. And um, I was like, oh, uh, uh, it was a little sort of stuttery. And I said, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, where I was and how I was doing. I said, I'd like to interview you. And Betty Ting Pei is very, sort of, uh, she's really nice, actually, but she's very, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, I'm going to bloody word now, but she's, I was like, not old-fashioned, but, Anyway, she went to me, she went, how can you interview you me, you don't even know me? Right. Which I thought was a strange answer, like, you know, I said, um, yeah. I didn't know what to say that, really. I said, well, look, you know, I got a sort of interview over this book. I said, yeah, but you'd have to come to Hong Kong and interview me. I thought, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, uh, I, I said, let me phone you back. I'll bring you back tomorrow. <laughs> I said, let's see if I can uh, arrange it. I thought, so I've got a wife who's like five months pregnant. <laughs> probably tough and tight me in the bank. Yeah, that's it. And I'm thinking, oh, hang on a minute, you know. Well, yeah, it's a, what an opportunity, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since then, quite a few people have spoke to her. But at yeah. the time, I was the only one I've really spoke to since, you know. Yeah. Bit of a mystery figure, really. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I rang her next day and said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come, right now. And we went to Hong Kong. Cafe Airways, and um, it was funny. We arrived in Hong Kong, so give me a call as soon as you get there. And uh, so we did that, and then we got the taxi to our hotel in Nathan Road. Can't remember the hotel now, but it wasn't a bad hotel. It was just an average. Well, it wasn't a fleet or anything, and it wasn't yeah. a Ritz, but it was just a, a nice hotel, you know. Yeah. And well, I could afford. So we stayed. Was in there, and I got to the hotel, rang her again, arranged to meet her that evening, and. Uh, so we meet me at the Hyatt Regency on Hong Kong Island. Uh, I feel what floor it was now, the fifth floor or whatever it was, Italian restaurant. I went, yeah, okay, no problem, put phone down. I thought, shit, that's going to cost a fucking fortune, you know what I mean? Pretty cold time, you know. Yeah. So anyway, we, now we're trying to find, I don't know, we way around Hong Kong, you know. And I, yeah. I've got Nguyen who's, who's pregnant, I said, that, you know, and we're sort of going through Nathan Road, and I'm trying to find the, is it MTR, the, the underground? Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. the underground to yeah. the island, or we can get, the, obviously, the, the ferry across, where we decided yeah. the, 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 the train, which is like super modern, isn't it, in Hong Kong, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So we, we got to Hong Kong Island, come out there, don't know where the bloody hell we're going to. We knew that, obviously, in the hotel, and we were asking people, London didn't speak English, so we were trying to find people. And a cut long story short, we were going to back turning somewhere, and we asked someone, and we went, oh yeah, and we were right close to it. So we found the hotel, gone and we took up the lift to this Italian restaurant, super posh. I mean, it was something you'd probably see out of not like Steve McQueen films, like Thomas yeah. Brown affair type of thing, like, you know, that, yeah. that sort of really, really plush. Yeah. And we, and we got in there, and it, it was a subdued lighting in there, and it was uh, these massive, massive windows that you could see Hong Kong, like Kowloon, and all the harbour, all lit up. Yeah. It literally looked like a film set, you know. And um, the the waiter bloke come up, or the, 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 they call him at the, at the door, said, oh, you know, uh, reservation. I said, yeah, Miss Ting, Ting Pei. As soon as I mentioned her name, he was like, his face went, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Seemed a bit. His response seemed a little bit shocked. Right. 
Uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute anyway. So uh, we, she hadn't arrived yet, so we were in there for sort of five, ten minutes, and then she's turned up, and she's come in, and she's all staring at us, and all tough, sugar hands, and whatever. She gave us some, um, a red envelope each, lucky money they give you or something, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine had about 500 Hong Kong dollars in it or something, or whatever. It's, it's 200 quid anyway, where it was. Yeah. But it might be more than that. And Nuan as well. And I thought, I didn't know, you know. It's and, a uh, pay for dinner now. Well, do you know what? <laughs> like, she would not let us, the whole time we was there, the best yeah, part of the yeah. week, she would not let us put her hand in our pockets once. And it was getting right. quite embarrassing, because, like... Yeah, it's hard for us, isn't it? it she, <laughs> sorry? <laughs> It's hard for us, isn't it? Like English people, you know, to yeah, it's just yeah, honestly, yeah, that old-fashioned thing. I've got a firewoman's dinner, and you know, yeah, she wouldn't, you know, and she's out oh, no. tomorrow night at this restaurant, and that restaurant. We got different restaurants, and we, we didn't have nothing. No, but the funniest thing was, she went to us um, that, that evening. She went, "I work where you're staying." And she said, "Oh, made from road." I forget, say the hotel where it was now. She went, oh no, 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 you need a better hotel than that. I said, "No, no, we're fine, we're fine." She would not have it. She would meet me tomorrow at Marco Polo. I went, no, really? we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> so, no, no, tomorrow, Marco Polo, four in the afternoon, whatever time it was in the afternoon. So we got this Marco Polo, it's right on the, on the um, ocean terminal. Quite a plush hotel right now. And um, she met us there. Anyway, she ended up booking us a penthouse suite. Really? <laughs> All paid for. And he had a separate lift going up to the, to the, to the yeah. room right now. And this was like kind of a Hollywood film and all this was. It was a big yeah. double double room penthouse. Yeah. And um, we stayed there the rest of the time. <laughs> and she would not, you know, and she paid for everything. And it was just, uh, you know, she was really nice. Not just because she was paying for things. She was just really nice yeah. anyway, you know. Yeah. Eccentric, that's what I was trying to think of earlier. She was very yeah. eccentric. Something, yeah. yeah. Old-fashioned, I suppose, you know. And just, I don't know if eccentric is probably unfair to say that. I mean, you know. In a bad yeah. way, you know. No, so would, would she have, um, would she have accumulated this sort of position in life by just just for the fact that she was friends with him, or, or was she? No, she 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 had money anyway. When she right. back in the day when she first became a movie, because she was a movie star herself. Right. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, you know, yeah. she started loads of films back in the right. late sixties and seventies, and um, she worked for Shaw Brothers. Oh, right, okay, yeah. She was yeah. film studio at the time. Yeah. And she had money. In fact, she, she told us she was the first um, movie star to have, have her own car in Hong Kong. Right. Because most movie stars back then, they was literally like, um, just like day-to-day workers. So, like Shaw Brothers, for example, they had like a, on their Shaw Brothers studio lot, there was a big building with like an apartment block where all the stars used yeah. to live. So like, so, like, you was one of the stars there, you know, you'd, you'd be working day and night, and you'd go back to your apartment on the grounds. Right. So, really, you're just like a like an office worker, really. Yeah, yeah. And you had the one or two stars that obviously got bigger and they earned more money. But it was yeah. more like a conveyor belt system. But what, cause she was a bit different because she, she didn't do that. You know, she had her own place and she had her own money, own car. Yeah. You know, so she was a little bit aloof from a lot of them. Yeah, uh, she was from Taiwan. Right, she's come from Taiwan. But what happened was she later on, you know, past all the Bruce Lee uh, stuff, she married a fellow called Charles Hearn. Yeah, and Charles Hearn, it turns out, he owns I think it's China Star Entertainment or something. Or oh, he did, right. Which like yeah, it's a massive, massive movie company. But yeah. Charles Hearn is his family and he's a top triad. Oh right. And I mean top, top tribe, not just like the local folk, a top proper, you know, tribe that they... <laughs> Can we say that? We're not going to disappear, are we, after this? Really? <laughs> We're not going to disappear after this, after all the family, are we? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what? And now I know what. Every time we went somewhere, we went to one... We went to this restaurant. Oh, so that was the look? Yeah, because we went to this yeah. Japanese restaurant, and uh, she'll meet us at this, wherever the name of it was. And um, we were thinking it before she did. She was, she was, you know, it was a part of the plan, I suppose. You know, made a grand entrance. So we got there. Me and Nuan turned up at this Japanese restaurant, and um, the fellow at the front, the Chinese fellow, was what they call him that stands at the front of the restaurant. Well, the Major D. What's it called? The Major D. The Major D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And 
this major league standing there and uh, very abrupt. So we come up and it, we come out. Um, uh, yes, 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 yes. Have you got an appointment? You know, uh, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Name, name. And he didn't even look at us as he talking to us. No, a bit yeah. snotty, because he's like a yeah. place. Yeah. I said, um, I said, it's booked under Miss Ting Pei. <laughs> oh, fuck, as soon as I said her name, he was virtually <laughs> like, he seemed quivered and knees, you know what I mean? Attention. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not exaggerating. He, uh, his, his, his jaw dropped. Like, oh, yeah, oh, come forward, come forward, no problem, no problem, no problem. Yeah, everywhere like we went. These thing gangsters, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah. the same sort of thing when they. Yeah, it's like walking in yeah. there. I've got, you know, Reggie Cry just booked a table for me or something, you know. Is that, yeah. Is that sort of. <laughs> yeah. She was. And although she wasn't married to him no more, she was still obviously looked after. And I think, I think he was, I was told he used to give her like $15,000 a month. Yeah. That's all pocket money, like, you know. But, yeah. Didn't world. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she wasn't. Certainly wasn't hard up to a few quid. But she and wasn't then, through with it either. Well, it's funny though, isn't it? Because you think just so many people in life, and I've done it, and it often fascinates me, we all get all these opportunities thrown at us constantly. But yeah. Whether you're awake to them, if you're, if you're sort of like, and because you're sort of passionate about this book and willing to do anything, yeah. A, you've kept ringing until she answered that phone. Yeah. And you probably would have rung more until she answered that oh, phone. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to give up. Then you got the thing, the other crossroads where it was like, well, you can you can interview me, but you've got to come to Hong Kong, and it was just at that point mm. in your life was not something you would easily do. No, it's not me. So there's that drive, isn't there? That some yeah. people just, if they'd only followed that, mm. and look what it led to that experience in life that people would, you know, definitely. You can't buy that. You could write a book and earn a million dollars. Yeah, obviously everyone wants to do that. But also, when you look back, you know, uh, without saying corny, if you look back on your deathbed and go, "What have I done?" Yeah, and go, "Well, yeah, I did this. I did it because, like you just said, it's, it's, the, it's the passion, Gwyneth." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're in a position. Like, I mean, because uh, I mean, you, uh, you're very humble, and you, like, we always take the piss out of each other. And <laughs> but you know, like you, you really are in a priv like um, no, not privileged because that means you haven't earned it. But you, you've really got yourself in a, uh, a respected position. I don't I really like it. I honestly don't look at... I mean, to me... Yeah. I'm not that... You don't. Like, I, I don't you don't, but Because really. I, I just... Because I like doing what I do. And yeah. it doesn't talk about anyone else. No. You're not doing no harm, you know, and... Um, I understand that, but I'm just being observant. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just sort of being... I'm sort of saying it how it is. It's not, yeah. you know, the fact that you are... Because not many people... Because you've come to a point where you've... So you've written many things along the way about Bruce Lee but there's yeah. very few people that are allowed to do anything on behalf of the actual family well you know how did that come about how did you first I I'm independent I'm independent I don't sort of I've worked sort of, once I've worked with them of course I've, I've, I've done stuff and I've, I've had loads of dealings with them and I mm. still do and um... but how did you even get to have dealings this is what sorry that's what well, I meant is that because not everyone could just go and had dealings with Bruce Lee's family. Well, it was the first book. You know, I contacted them through the first book and uh, they was interested yeah. in that. And um, so that was the first contact with them, to be fair. Um, yeah. Prior, I'm not telling you, like, prior to that, I did have a bit of contact, but it was, in a, it was a, a different sort of approach. What it was, we brought Robert Lee over here. Bruce Lee's oh, brother. Right. right. That was prior to us. That was back in 2001. Right. Me and Jeff, we'd set up a Bruce Lee convention on, yeah, and bring over Robert Lee, and lost about six grand in the in the, <laughs> the process. We've all done it. Oh, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we did that. But the funny, the funny story behind that actually was, we, so we got Bruce Lee's brother Robert. He was he was brilliant, by the way. You know, he came over and spent a week over here and it, it, loads of good memories of it, you know. And I still stay in touch from now to this day really yeah. time to time, you know. And uh he's Bruce Lee's younger brother. He's a musician. He was a musician, right. you know, so he, he 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 uh he was great. But he came over. But the funny thing was, just prior to me coming over, I'm indoors and my phone rings about eleven half eleven at night. Which is, you know, I thought, it's a huge song. You know, so you, you normally think, you know, you know someone's going to... Yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, 
Hi, they're Mr. Kerridge, you know. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I think his name was the fellow's name. I his name now. Uh, anyway, this fellow, he said his name. I said, yeah. He said, I'm, I represent the Bruce Lee estate in Los Angeles. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we understand you're putting a, an unauthorized Bruce Lee event on in the UK. Right. And he started getting my shirt with me. And it yeah. turns out he was a, a lawyer. He was a lawyer for, for the, at the time, one of the lawyers for, um, oh, Stephen Younger, his name was, Stephen Younger. Oh, right, yeah. And uh, he was one of the lawyers for uh, Shannon, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter. She was married to Ian Keesler, and that was part of, he was like a lawyer, he was part of that company at the time, I think. There's connection with that. So anyway, so this fellow rang me and he's getting a bit uh, snotty with me on the phone about it all. And... Um, Expecting me to go, oh, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sorry, and uh, but I didn't. I just went, well, basically, in so many words, go and go and get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, because, you know, I haven't done nothing wrong. I've got Bruce Lee's brother over here. He's allowed to talk about his brother. I don't need anyone's permission. Yeah. I said, so, you, you know, um, you're wrong. You shouldn't be talking to me like that, and you should, certainly shouldn't be uh, threatening legal, legal this and legal that with me, because you can do your like, mate, because I don't care, really. Yeah. And with that, he went totally the other direction. You know, he just apologising and I'm really sorry. And anyway, we can sort of rectify the situation. Oh, and right. So, so it was all bluff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all bluff. And basically, I said, look, and I think then I realised that I wasn't doing anything wrong. It was, it was all innocent. I was just literally yeah. hanging Robert Lee over. Um, but there is a conflict in the family between Robert Lee and the family, and you know it's the whole family, isn't it? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, of course. Which has nothing to do with me or anyone else. So I think there may have been a bit of friction there. Who knows? At the yeah. time, so but I was in the brunt of it. And um, but when I sort of laid the law down with him, he sort of went all the other way, and he said, "Well, there's only way we can we can sort of put the estate's sort of stamp on this." I said, well, yeah. I said, of course you can, yeah. I, you know, I'd love you to be able to say it's an official event. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's what I did. Right. So we, 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 it was officially endorsed by the Bruce Lee estate. And is that and when you sort of, like, your relationship began with them, to be honest? Yeah, really, but it was sort of, yeah. because I, then I got a letter from the lawyer saying, um, Linda and Shannon, I'd like to thank you for your cooperating with this. And, you know, it was a really nice letter, like, you know? Yeah. And then, um, sort of fast forward a bit, I did the book on Way of the Dragon, and I went out to Seattle, where there was a, the 35th anniversary of his death. Yeah. And uh, 2008, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, I took the book out there, or the second volume, because originally it was going to be in three volumes, that's another story, but anyway. <laughs> so the second volume had come I've out. I've got an once upon a time yeah so we uh, so I went to Seattle and um, obviously Linda that's Bruce Lee's wife Shannon and um, loads of Bruce Lee's friends and family whatever was there you know I sort of met them all and uh, spent the four or five days in Seattle I think it was probably there three or four days and uh, that was a good experience (laughs) <laughs> you know, little, little things like, um, <laughs> like I had breakfast a couple of mornings with Paul Heller who was the producer of uh, End of Dragon yeah and it was quite funny because part of the event it was it was in the Seattle Art Museum quite a sort of nice sort of arty party place you know yeah and there'd be different events going on for a couple over the weekend and um, one of them was they were showing End of Dragon yeah which obviously we've all seen but you know I thought it'd be interesting to sit in a an auditorium, you know, with Linda Lee sitting there and Shannon Lee and all the people, God. Bob Wall, you know, all, all, them, yeah. all the people were there in the films and whatever. And um, and I'm sitting next to Paul Heller. Yeah. And there's a scene in the Dragon where Paul, he- Paul Heller's actually in the in the film briefly. There's a bit yeah. towards the end where uh, Bruce Lee sends like a Morse code message across. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And you see the fella, and he cuts to the fella doing the Morse code back. Yeah, Paul Hello's like, you know, it's always oh, right. it's, uh, his Alfred Hitchcock moment, you know, the uh, yeah. <laughs> cameo role, you know. Yeah. But the funny story was, I'm sitting there watching Enter the Dragon next to the man that was part of the team that made it, and all I could hear was <laughs> <laughs> he's snoring away next to me, though, you know. 
Tommy said it so many times. There's loads of little funny stories, you know. Yeah. Um, that's the ticket. I've gone from there, really. Sorry? So I've gone from there. I've done loads of, loads, tons of magazines yeah. and books and stuff since then. Yeah. I mean, we recently one I did with a friend of mine in Singapore, Darren Chua, who I'm doing a lot of work with now. He's yeah. a bit of a Bruce Lee freak like me. But he's like yeah. the Asian version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, That's just Steve Perry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we've we done a book a year or so ago called Mandarin Superstar. I feel I might have given yeah. it. Yeah, you, you did, yeah. You, you can't get hold of that book now. The love of money. You know, uh-huh. it's such a limited value. Make sure the price goes up for us, then. Oh, listen, <laughs> I, you know what? I've already seen it on eBay for like 400 quid and things, you know? Yeah, I'm going to put one up for five. <laughs> if somebody get it, I'll probably buy it. <laughs> That was a lot of research. With, with Darren, yeah. he's brilliant because he translates all the Chinese archive material from out there that you just can't get hold of as far as a weapon. Though, you know, you wouldn't know what he's looking at. No. You know, and he, he, he sort of trawled through all the newspaper and magazine archives. And I've got, as you, well, as you know anyway, I've got an extensive archive yeah. material. Yeah. Uh, um, you can get lost amongst, you know what I mean? So um, mm. the combination of myself and Darren it's uh, it fused really really well and with Nguyen obviously being Thai the, the book you know The Man and the Superstar covered like I said about, I do the timelines and I so yeah. had gone pre uh, the book the, you know, the way I was reading it so it had gone back and uh, it was like 1969 to 71 right and that covered the period where he made his first film in Hong Kong for Golden Harvest called The Big Boss. Yeah, I remember the that. The Big yeah. Boss was filmed in Thailand. And you obviously know my Thai connections, as I said, I'm yeah, quite yeah. Thai, I've got family yeah. in Thailand, and, you know, so I've got big, I've got big Thai connection and a big Thai uh, background, really. Yeah. And uh, and that's even separate from the from the martial arts side of things, you know, the, the training in Thailand over the years. Yeah. Um, which is another, another aspect of it all. But I've gone to the, the, the locations... Uh, where Bruce Lee filmed in Thailand several times, like years ago, even prior to doing this book, probably 15 years ago, gone there, I don't know. Yeah. And um, so I sort of rekindled that really, and we ended up meeting a Thai film star out there um, called Sarapong Chatri. Right. I probably not pronounce that right, but he, he, he's the biggest, probably the biggest star in Thailand, you know, for the last 50, 40, 50 years, you know. Yeah. He's like um, the Kirk Douglas of uh, Thailand, I suppose, or whatever. You, I don't know what you compare him to. Yeah. But he's that sort of familiar, you know. Uh, every everyone knows him. Obviously, he's a big, big, big star. And we got to meet him, and uh, it was quite funny how we got to meet him because really, it was new. And like my wife, she said, um, "Oh, Sarah Pong, he, he's in. He's got a temple in Pak Chong, which is the place where they've done the film, or, or just outside of Pak Chong." Yeah. So it's a deal. You know, what's, what was that going to do as well? Because I was trying to locate people that remembered the film in there. And we yeah. spoke to a couple of people already. A woman who had a hotel and, and we got some stuff off of her and bits and bobs. But in the film, quite a lot of uh, the stuntmen in the film were Thai. Yeah. Because they filmed in Thailand. So they had some Chinese stuntmen, but because it being a Chinese film company, but there's a lot of cooperation with the Thai people and Thai stunt film companies and whatever. So part of the research, you've got, I've got tons of photographs and you've got Bruce Lee standing with all these different Thai stuntmen. Well, no one knew what their names were. I wouldn't know. No one. You know, you're talking about 50 years ago, now, 40 years ago. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm quite important to what I was saying about the, the Thai film star, Serapong. So we've gone and see Serapong and um, we've gone in this temple. And he, he, when, he, when he's in town, if you like, when he's not filming, because he's still, he's still active, you know, and he's probably 70, 71, 72 now. Right. He, he built his be- I mean, absolutely beautiful temples on this on these grounds with like waterfalls. It's, it's, it's honestly it's like paradise. This place, you know. Yeah. And he's got three or four temples on his grounds, and he he does like a speech every day. He's got sits on like <laughs> sits on his throne if you like, you know. And he's yeah. And he has all these followers around him, and I mean, sort of hundreds and hundreds of people day after day after day. Going in there, listening to him, and he comes out his photograph, done with him. You know, he's top celebrity, as, as I say. And so we've gone up there, and it, it was packed. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a bloody waste of time. 
you know what I mean? You're not going to yeah. get to talk to them. But I was like, I was probably the, the only Westerner in there. Because we're not talking, it's not a tourist area. No. This is like rural Thailand, you know what I mean? It's, it's the best part, really. And um, so I'm, I've got my camera, you know, I've got my camera, and my video camera, and I'm sort of like filming everything. And, and then, obviously, to her, it's like a, a big film star in front of her, and she, she's sort of all sort of starstruck, really. <laughs> and, um, and I'm sort of filming him from a distance, and it's, it, it, there's hundreds of people around him. And it, as he's looking around, and he's, he's obviously spotted me, and he's given me like a double take. Yeah. I, straight away, I've got on film. You see, like, looks and looks, looks again quick, you know. Obviously, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. You know, not because of my good looks, because I was a Westerner. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, anyway, we pleasure worked like fun. And he's sort of, sort of, not a big line for me, not come over to but you can see he wants to sort of, he's probably curious, what am I doing there? You know, I mean, yeah. You know, it's like an unusual sight of Westerner there, like, I got talking to him, then I got talking to him, and um, I said, oh, I'm doing a book on Bruce Lee. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I said, um, is there any chance you can look at these photographs? Obviously, nearby in Pei Chong here, where we filmed here, if you recognise anyone in the photographs of him, I went, yeah, sure. And um, every photograph I showed him, I must have showed him a dozen photos with Bruce Lee standing with groups of people, and he knew virtually 99% of them. I said, oh, yeah, that's so and so, and so. Yeah, he's dead. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, we all know him. Yeah, yeah, that's so. So everybody Thai names. Yeah, he, he, he's dead. Everyone was dead. Because I'm, I'm hoping he's going to say, "Well, yeah, he lives up the road there." I know, you yeah. know, you know. And then we sort of finished talking. He went, "I oh, saw actually my friend." He said, um, "He said he always says about, you know, he remembers working with Bruce Lee." I'm like, "Oh yeah, really?" And yeah, yeah, he worked on that film as well. He's not in the photographs, but he worked on the film. And his name's uh, Pal uh, Porapak. Right. And um, we knew the name straight away. He, he's another film star in in, in Thailand. Right. He started out as a stuntman. So I'll give him a call. He said, um, anyway, he took Nguyen's phone number. So I'll get him to give you a call. And I didn't think that of it, really. We, never, we left. They went back to Bangkok a few days later. And, um, and the phone rings. And it's just... Uh, uh, P. Bow, we called him. P. Bow is his sort of name, like, you know. Yeah. And, um, this fella's a, a famous film star, but he had no money. He wasn't like the other fella we met. Yeah. This fella's got, he's like, uh, I suppose his career's gone down a bit now. And, <laughs> you know, but he's, he's still a bit out. He's seen some TV shows, but he's not like, he's not yeah. rich or anything, you know. No. But anyway, he, he drove about three hours to our hotel and, and, and uh, met us and spent the night with us and, uh, we interviewed him and met dinner and stuff, you know. Yeah. And what a lovely fella. I mean, we've become really good friends with him. And he, he had all the stories, but, you know, but yeah, I remember Bruce used to knock on my room, at, you know, in the morning, come jogging with me, come jogging with me. You know, just go jogging together. And, yeah. And he really, really helped in a lot, a lot of the stories in that section of the book. Yeah. And I would never, would, you know, and it turns out, when I showed him the photographs again, like I did the other fella, he knew him more, obviously, because he worked with him. And one of the main fellas that he showed me, I've got a picture of Bruce Lee standing with his fella. Don't ask me the names, I can't remember, but this fellow was his uncle. He said, he's the one who, uh, well, he said he, he didn't speak English, but he told him there and he translated me. Yeah. He, he's my uncle, he's the one who got me in the film business. You know, he, he said, I was tie boxing. He said, I had about half a dozen fights. He said, and uh, my uncle said, what you, you know, how much you get? He said, oh, 100 baht, something different than him. He said, yeah. oh, he money, come on the film set with me. And he became a stuntman. Right. And uh, that's how he got on the film. So that was the first film he appeared in. And, uh, and also, as the years went on, he worked with Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, Dolph Lundgren, and all these different people that come to Thailand do films. Yeah. He worked with them because he was right. known to, you know. Um, yeah, really interesting man. And, and you know, like, it, it, that stuff is gold, isn't it? You just well, can't, it, it, people. become really good friends with him, and he, even when he to England, he'd, he'd contact us and, and speak to Nuran because he's Thai, obviously, so we got him to speak to him directly. Yeah. And uh, asked how he was, and. Every time we went to Thailand after that, for the next couple of times we met with him in Bangkok and went out with him and, you know, it's really, really nice fella. But sadly, um, the last time we saw him, we'd lost about three or four stone. Oh. Really looked ill and he, he said, oh, he had his thumbs and stomach bug. But anyway, it turns out he had cancer and he died. Yeah. Oh, that's so we lost sad. him. So I was gutted, like, you know? Yeah. So just got to know him really well and, um. Yeah. But the, the, 
beauty of it was, by the time, uh, the last time I met him anyway, yeah. I'd actually finished the book and it had printed. And I oh, took right. a copy out there. Oh, did you? And he I was... he's blown away, wasn't oh, he? Honestly, he was over... He was like... He said to me, and he said, this is like winning the Oscar. Oh, I really felt humble when he said that. I thought, oh, oh really? that's fantastic. He had all his photographs in it of his, his friends, and which had never been done before. Right. So that book really, really um, was a sort of a milestone in my writing career, if you put it that way. Yeah. Uh, because it was it was so much. I mean, there's loads of stories to that book anyway, apart from the Thailand yeah. part of it, because it's, it covers other aspects as well in America and stuff, you know, and loads of people we met um, or spoke to on the yeah. telephone and emails and everything else that goes with that. And we didn't sort of social media. We spoke to be contacted to sort of get the story straight as such, you know? Yeah. So that's so I know you're diligent you know, about that, and you? you? You know, you like it to be 100%. Oh, listen, you, know, you, 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 you can never be... What, what, what it's taught me, really, is you can never be... I'm just percent really right. because you don't know... You only rely on people's memories. Right, like, if I said know, to you, okay. like, oh, when you were six, you went to Cornwall, do you remember yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, what I did yesterday, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I mean, it's been quite a few yeah, okay. over the years yeah. at New Bruce yeah. Lee that they've said things to me, and I know they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like they got the year wrong or whatever, and he, he, you can't blame them. They're not. I think Paul McCartney was the funniest one. On, on an interview, he said, uh, he "said the fans always ask me questions. You know, when when was this? When was that?" He said, "It's like I can't remember the year. You know, what year it was? What year I recorded yesterday? What was it after? You have to ask the fans. They know more than me." Yeah. So it's just it's just normal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my where can, job. Where, you know. where can people like? Because if you if you set up. Um, a website now where people can buy it, your stuff. Yeah, I've got, I've got a website called BruceLeeForever.com. Right, okay. Uh, that book, unfortunately, ain't available because it's sold out. Yeah. Because it's a limited press uh, run anyway, or printing run alone. Yeah. So we, we only printed, uh, was it 200 of them? It was really, right. really limited. That was a mistake. We should have done 500. Yeah. Um, which is still very limited, 500, but yeah. we should have done. But I tend to do that with all that stuff anyway. I tend to do constant limited edition collector's pieces because that way you know um, it's, it's more it's more collectible and it's something I, I do it more because I enjoy doing it and you, you yeah. have a bit of pocket money out of it lovely but you don't dig out of it um, yeah. the other book I did which was outside of that was for Colton Publishing yeah which uh, I think that sold quite a big one I think that's probably sold 20-30 thousand now I will get one right Unfortunately, but, I only got, only got a fixed fee for that. <laughs> 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 you know, that's the next time. But, yeah, it's all good. There's a lot yeah. of that catalogue stuff that's still available on that website. Um, yeah. And I'm working on a book now, which is the follow-up to the one I've just been talking about, Yeah. which covers the timeline directly after that, up from sort of late 71 to sort of April 72, when he made the film Fist of Fury, so right. that's what we're planning on doing, doing that all the way up to his, to his death, you know. Well, uh, at the end of the, you know, like when the podcast goes out, I'm going to put the links on, so I'll support the links on to the website and that as well. Oh, lovely, yeah. Um, but you really need to, uh, like I said to you, uh, you know, the people who are passionate about it, they, they need to hear more, you know, from you, and I think you really should do your own um, Bruce Lee podcast because there's so many people that are passionate about that there that you've got so many, such a wealth of stories that you know and those people you've met over the years you could probably get them on to talk because it's um, people mm. want to hear it mate you know so yeah yeah it's a good idea yeah I, I want to forward you now to like so going back but yeah. forward if that makes sense to, to the gym you know going back to that because I think what I want to say about it is the you know, we know you've had the successes with the. Um, I think there's two ways to look at it because you've had some chat. You've, you know, you've got a stable of champions. You've had so many champions go through, which is relatively a small, a small town gym. You know, yes. It, you know, we're talking at the, you know, in Essex, mm. um, a small town in Ockendon. You know, yeah. and it's when it was in West Farrock, but it's a small area. You know, Farrock and mm. it's. You know, and, and 
the, the sort of success of the stable of fighters that you've had yeah. is a lot bigger than what it, it, it is, you know. But I yeah. think the other thing to look at is what I see is the real um, community service that it is. That you know that people don't always they forget about the, the good that it's doing to a community and, and how a community really needs something like that. Because you've helped over the years, and you won't you'll play it down, I know, because of how you are, but you've helped a lot of kids, you know. You've helped a lot of kids over the years. I mean, we're a similar age, but even when I trained with you, like, at that stage, I looked up to you as, like, a a mentor, and, you know, and it's, uh, I was, unfortunately, beyond help, because I was too busy. I remember one fight I had, I think, I was out out till four in the morning the night before the fight, so I was never... It was with me. Yeah, you weren't always a great influence, but like, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it, it, people don't see the value of this a lot of the time because in a, in places like, I mean, Forex, it's got a lot of problems, um, yeah. and the kids have got there's a lot of kids with a lot of problems, um, and what yeah. they do, you give them focus and you give them discipline, you know, like you try, you try because I mean, you, you, I enjoy. Look, the bottom line is I do this as my living. Yeah, I think it's more than that, Steve. I don't so, think you're living. I think you call in. I think you, yeah, well, because you live it, don't you? It's not yeah, so I do more living, but in my defence, I could probably earn a lot more you could. if I got a job doing something else. Yeah, so it's not could. like I'm doing this just purely. Yeah. It's my passion. It's what I love doing. And I think, to me, uh, the joy, if you like, of seeing someone win a title or win a fight, even, ain't going to be a title. Yeah. You know, and do you know the... the, the see kids come to the gym they've got no confidence and they're they kind of why they come in he's crying and you know but within a couple of weeks you know we let him out of the cage he was alright no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks he was alright he was fine he was joining in he was sparring you know you think yeah. the confidence it's nice to see the kids sort of get confident in themselves you know because there's nothing worse than seeing or when you see a, a kid especially even an adult really when they walk in the gym and you do get with a lot of adults you know they come in the yeah. gym they either put oh. a front on where they're like oh you're you're also fight a lot but you know and you think yeah yeah okay <laughs> but really they're just trying to put a, a, you've a, heard it all before yeah you? they're trying to put like a barrier up you know like yeah. a protection you know that, that yeah. it's making it I'm tough yeah. But then you get ones that come in are very timid, you know, and so it's, it's, it's all types, isn't it? You know, and, but it's yeah. nice to see someone come in and if they're genuinely interested in learning something and uh, developing what we can show them, then it's, yeah. it's, it's nice for them, you know, it really is. And it really you've is not been nice. held back by the lockdown. I've seen you've been, um, well, you, you've, I mean, you've been doing the online training. You can only do. You know, like I said, as I keep repeating about, you know, on the, on the Facebook quite a bit, you know, you've got to turn a stumbling rock into a stepping stone. Yeah. And the, but the bottom line is, business-wise, business-wise, if you like, every day it goes by, your business is deteriorating because yeah. you're losing members. And we've probably lost 60-odd members already, you know. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people probably just can't afford to do it. You know, other people yeah. just... Don't want to do it. I don't know whatever reason. You know, it just it yeah. is what it is. You can't. You can sit there and feel sorry for yourself, or sit there and and go, well, you know, what can I do about it? And you can only do what you can do. And because we're limited uh, as far as uh, travel, we can't. I mean, when it first started, or when it not even when it started, but when it sort of it was about to sort of start, we went, okay, what we're going to do next week? We're going to do uh, outdoor training, so we'll all meet yeah. in the park. Yeah, so you know, and, and then once we put it on Facebook, oh, it's disgusting people doing that. It's, it's social yeah. distancing, and but yeah. all we were doing at the time was, and this, and we didn't even do it. We didn't even do it by the time. No. It so quick. Yeah, it came it quick like, that weekend, didn't it? Yeah, like, because, only because people were saying to us, "Oh, we still want to try and say, well, look, all I can do is if we all move over the park, yeah, and we can do sort of yeah. like some shadow boxing. And, you know, we haven't got to work with each other, next to each other. That's the only thing I can do at the moment. I don't know. I'm only going by government guide, yeah. guidelines, and. The government, I actually looked it up to make sure I wasn't uh, wrong, and the government guidelines at the time said that you can do, you know, social distancing is fine, blah, 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 you can train, and, yeah. and it wasn't until about a week later, we've been doing it, right, about a week later, they decided to sort of shut all places like pubs, clubs, gyms, and whatever else, yeah. but we'd already shut. Yeah. 
we'd already yeah. shut things. I'd already made a decision over that weekend to go. Do you know what? It ain't worth the risk, really. This, this, this no. goes. And then everyone's in the dark. You think, well, okay, everyone's going to leave. You know, you can't blame them or whatever. But a lot of people stuck with us, which I'm really, really, yeah. really um, thankful for. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I don't, I never want to be anyone's charity case. I don't, you know what I mean? But I know that. I know that. It's a case of, I only try, I, I try and sort of look at things the way I would do myself. And I'm, I'm far from right all the time, and I'm not, and none of us are. But I always think to myself, well, if I was at any sort of club or gym, and I could keep it going for a couple of months, I'd keep it going for a couple of months, because yeah. I want a gym to go back to. That's it. That's it. And I think if people... we don't support things, if we no. don't support each other, then there's not going to be nothing to go back to. No. And I think local councils and governments need to look at that as well, because yeah. uh, you could say that, well, this is your, it's a business, so you're a living, blah, blah, blah. But as you said, you're a lot more doing something else. And yeah. I'm on about the community aspect of all the good you've done over the years with all, all the kids that you've brought through and the adults and the people you give mm. confidence to. So it's definitely a community asset oh, well, that, that, that needs that, that's to what be preserved. Like from, from the sort of corporate-style gyms, you know, around yeah. up, you know, in the area. Yeah. There's quite a few of them that have sprung up over the last couple of years, yeah. charging, like, really low rates and everything else. But and people, oh, a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, has that affected you? It never ever did affect us because we... A total different entity to any of that. We are, yeah. like I said, we're more like a community, family-based environment. Yeah. But we're also a school. We're like, in the, as we call an academy. But I mean, yeah. we are a school. The difference between us and say one of the corporate gyms. I won't name anything because obviously, yeah. You, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You can't afford for a lawsuit, can you? Can't afford lawyers. Did that afford a pound of spare at the moment? Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> The corporate gym, they're a different thing altogether. It's a bit like, uh, in, oh, in, in food terms, it's like you go into, into McDonald's and queuing up or conveyor belt system and getting your, your hamburger, or you go into Auntie Bessie's cafe around the corner, homemade cooking. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a difference, you know. It's, it's, it's yeah, like homemade, if you like. Yeah. Homemade training. <laughs> oh, you make me hungry now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't take a lot nowadays. <laughs> but, no. so we're more, yeah, you're right, we're more of a community-based gym. Yeah. And yeah. we do tend to, um, probably wrongly sometimes, we get a bit too sort of, uh, I say close, but we tend to, you know, like you get too involved sometimes. You can't help it, mate. You do. You can't help it, you know. And, I do what uh, I and, do. I, yeah, but nine, you, you're in the same boat. You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. And yeah. nine times out of ten, you're doing the right thing. But then, you're, then the tenth time, you get the arsehole. Yeah. And we've all had them, you know what I mean? That have to give for weakness or <laughs> think that yeah. you are a living or you are this <laughs> and you are that. Yeah. You know, and where if you're a corporate faceless gym, you don't get that because, no. you know, you, you, you go through the turnstile, you pay... The, yeah. the, the, uh, the hired staff yeah. and you go in there and jump on a running machine. No, that's it. Or, or the aerobics teacher that trained in five different places. Well, it's, you know, it's a different thing altogether. Yeah. And the thing is, what you've just said there is the fact that in a place like that, no one emotionally invests in you. And that's no, where the disappointment comes don't. from. Because you emotionally invest people and as you say, there's always going to be a percentage that don't respect it or, or reciprocate it. Yeah, do you know something, uh, Stuart? Do you know, you know something, right? For for the few times, not many, but for a few times I've been burnt over the years, Yeah. that will never, ever, ever change the way I am. No. no. All right. I'm, I'm lucky to go, do you know what, in future, it will go and themselves, yeah, no. you know? No. No, no. I'm me. I'm going to be me. I'm not going to be yeah. anyone else. Yeah. And if that's whatever it is, it is. Yeah. And to me, um, you know, we do a lot of things good and we do make mistakes and we will continue probably to do yeah. a lot of things good and make mistakes. Yeah. You know, and... Um, so you learn. Know. You continue don't work. make mistakes. You ain't, you ain't trying hard enough. You, 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 <laughs> it's a continual learning process. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And ever-evolving. You're yeah. ever-evolving. So, yeah. you know, trends change, things change, and which always yeah. makes you laugh in the... Martial art, fitness industry, yeah. like you know, I've heard about this new machine that does this, yeah. new track workout, and oh really? Do you know what's the matter with press ups, sit ups, and squats? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
I know science yeah. gets more advanced with nutrition and yeah. I was watching I was watching a really good film yesterday actually called Fat Fiction. Right. And it's basically about like the keto diet. Oh, the, yeah, keto system, yeah. And it's quite interesting and it's a lot yeah. of truth in it. And they're saying that, you know, the people with diabetes, you know, they're trying to say that, you know, cut down your saturated fats and this and the other yeah. and um up your carbs and it, it's a big con, you know, because when I take fat out, they replace it with sugar. You know, that's what makes yeah. people diabetic. And, yeah. you know, it's quite an interesting documentary. So you get, the science of it obviously evolves, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But as far as it's ever body, evolving, as, as you said earlier, it's ever evolving. And yeah, you, you, you can't stop still. Because otherwise right. everybody would get overtaken anyway. You, yeah. That's, that's part of life. Yeah. To change with change is the changeless state. And that is the one to finish it on. Steve, it like... We've we've gone just over the hour, and it, like, it seems like ten minutes for me. Like, it probably seem like four hours to other people. But I'm getting paid on the early rate, or do I get paid on the early rate, or is it more than half over the hour? Same for you, me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both getting paid the same. <laughs> you know, I'm joking. When I see you, <laughs> but um, like, like I'm going to say something now, right? And at the end of this. To finish it off, and I, you, you said you were going to tell no one. No, I'm going to tell them now. <laughs> I like, I've got so much respect for you, mate. As 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 as, as you said, as a teacher, um, uh, as, with your knowledge, but also just as a like as a man, because you you've you've given your life over selflessly to a lot of this stuff, and and um, I just think that cause, you know my podcast is about. It, you maybe don't fit into it you know like uh, the obvious choice but when people listen to your story they'll realise why you are because you've you've given your life over to helping other people and I think it's an amazing thing and yeah, I, you've got my utmost respect sir no I appreciate that but I'm not I'm not yeah. one for yeah, I knew. Uh, I, I knew. I knew. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I just as long as I'm doing what I'm doing, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not upset anyone. Well, you always got up. You always got to upset someone, I suppose. So yeah. that's that's a uh, that's law, isn't it? Yeah, that's when it's that's when you know you've, you've done your bit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it here, but I, I um I'm gonna put all the links on and everything, and um, I do encourage people because because the anything you do has been. Uh, a thousand percent's been put into it, so. Um, no, I appreciate you know, it. So, it's a likewise. Listen, I've known you. I've known. Yeah. But listen, for all the people listening to this, if there is anyone listening to it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, my name on it. Um, yeah. You are an inspiration, <laughs> and I, I do mean that because what you're doing with your haircuts for homeless, yeah, and 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 I know what you've been going through the last few years as well, and yeah. you still kept your head high, and you're still. Yeah. You're still pressing ahead, so you are an inspiration. So forget about me. <laughs> like you are, uh, you know, someone's a, a role model, Stuart Roberts. Thank you. All right, Thank I mean you, it. Sir. I mean it because you, you're you doing a good much, thing. Sir. You really yeah. did a good thing. <laughs> you know. Right. I think on that note, we better go. Before we break in tears. <laughs> <laughs> Been great talking to you, Steve. Thanks very you much. Cheers. Bye bye. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realized, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.